Matthew chapter number 7. Chapter number 7. I'm sorry, I my mic wasn't so known. <clears throat> Studying and praying this week and uh, <clears throat> starting last week, God, God has just been moving uh, in my heart to, to, to speak to you. And uh, Let me say as the under-shepherd of this assembly this morning, this church, uh, it is my number one priority to make sure you get to heaven. Uh, now understand me this morning. When I say that, I, I can't save anyone or, or any of that stuff, but, uh, I, I, but it's my number one priority to make sure you know what you need to do to get to heaven. Now I want you to have a good life and, and I want you to experience good relationships and good family relationships. And, 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 and there's times for teaching and, and preaching on those subjects. But, 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 but my job, so to speak, is, is not to make sure that you're always happy, but to make sure you get to heaven. And church, I, I believe that uh, we're in a time where there is more confusion than ever about being saved. I mean, you, you, everybody and their, their mama has a, a different opinion on what it means to be saved. You ask one person, you'll get this sort of answer. You, you, you go down the street and you ask somebody else and, and, and you'll get this sort of answer. And it seems that, that everybody has a different answer about uh, what it means to be saved. Some will say that I carry a Bible and I, I go to church, so that means I'm a Christian. Some will say, well, I, I joined the church, so that, that must mean I'm going to heaven. Uh, there's many today that are, that, that, that are believing that because they got baptized that everything is okay. And I would say the most deceiving aspect of salvation will be the ones that said I, I went to the altar and, and, and I cried and, 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 and I cried a little bit and, 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 and it will bless your little heart you had emotional experience but is that all there is to this so great of salvation the Bible speaks of and then we have the church let me get on this subject for just a minute before we preach. More confusing than an aerobics cube. The church. Some will say that this church is legalistic. That they, they, they have all these special rules and, and special regulations about this, about that. They don't want you doing this. They don't want you doing that. They're just legalistic. And I can't get down with the legalistic church. Some will say that church is a church that has no morals. Just do whatever you want to do. Just drop five in the plate on Sunday. And some will say I can't get down with a church with no morals. Some will say that this church has compromised the, the word of God. 
This one says you've got to be baptized. This one says that that you've got to have a second work of grace in your life. Uh, This one says uh, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not filled with the Spirit of God. This one says that if you got saved when you was five years old, you're good for the rest of your life. Uh, This one says uh, that you can backslide on God. This one says this. This one says that. This one says uh, that you can forfeit your salvation. This one says you can never lose lose it I can be honest with you this morning I can see why so many people are confused many today are wondering if there's really any truth at all because the ones that claim they are saved we can't agree on anything But this morning, I want to make it clear as a bell, clear as a whistle, clear as whatever you want to call it. Just because you pray doesn't mean you're saved. Just because you prayed does not mean that you got saved. You see, God spoke this into my spirit, and, 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 and some of you are not going to like it this morning, but, you know, i, I got to do what God says and not what you say, so I'm sorry. Uh, 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 there's so many, so many people today, they're, 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 they're basing their salvation on a prayer that they rehearsed. And, 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 and sometimes we can be so guilty of getting someone to pray this prayer after me. Would you pray this prayer after me? And we've got good intentions about it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying we don't have good intentions, but, but, but boy, the road paved to hell is paved with good intentions. Because we've got good intentions. We want to see them pray the, the sinner's prayer. And I understand all of that. But so many people today, they're basing where they're going to spend eternity on a prayer that they said. Sometimes good intentions can be wrong. Now let me get into some scripture real quick. Verse 21 of 7 of Matthew. You listen fast, I'll, pray, I'll preach fast, we'll go home. That's what he said there. The words are in red, Jesus spoke them. So when you see something in red, that means you, you need to pay extra close attention to. Look what he says. Not everyone. Everybody say, not everyone with me. Not everyone. That saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name done wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. 
Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Here this morning, you pay attention. Just, just, just give me a brief moment of your mind. We think about who Jesus is talking to. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to many other people that have crowded around to hear him preach. If you were to back up to where the conversation began, you would have to go all the way back to the end of chapter number 4. You see, for, for many, this has been said the greatest sermon ever preached. Because when you start at the end of 4, what you get into is chapter 5, which we know as what? The be what? Attitudes. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the poor. Blessed, blessed, blessed. This is the sermon that, that Jesus has just preached unto a crowd, a multitude, the Bible says, of people that have gathered. They've traveled far out into the countryside just to hear Him preach. So what I'm getting at is that Jesus is, he's, he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to all these people. And he tells them about all these things about the kingdom of God. All these wonderful things about the kingdom of God. But then he throws a bomb in. He says, not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter this place. So what he's talking about is, is that not everyone that, that has come to a time in their life where they, they said that I'm a Christian, that, that Jesus is my Lord, he, he's talking about all those people that have said that does not mean and guarantee that they've been born of the Spirit of God. Not everyone that's prayed is saved. Now, for us to understand this, we need to define salvation for a moment, okay? Because I knew some of this was going to rub off wrong on some people. So first, we need to define what it is to be saved. What is salvation? Now, that word save, it means to rescue or to deliver. It's to a, bringing you to a place of safety. When Peter was drowning, he cried out to Jesus, Lord, save me. That word that's used there is salvation. He's talking about bringing him to a place to where he is not safe, to a place to where he is safe, to rescue him. And when you and I, when we turn to Christ, I want you to know that he rescues us from the penalty of sin. Let me say this clearly. In Christ Jesus this morning, your sins uh, from your past, uh, you've been saved from them. Uh, in Christ Jesus, your present sins, uh, you've been saved from them. And in Christ Jesus, your future sins, uh, they have been paid for by the precious uh, blood of the Lamb. You have been rescued through the cross uh, of Jesus Christ. You've been brought to safety as long as you are in Jesus Christ. 
And that's where we get this term saved. But notice this with me. In John 3 and 3, now you listen to me. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time in his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of spirit is spirit. So then we find out that being rescued, being saved, means being born again. And being born again has very little to do with you and me. You see, in order for you to be born again... God has to do it all. He had to provide a rescuing way. But then He has to draw you to a rescuing place. John 6 and 44. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. And I will raise him up at the last day. In other words... You will not get born again when you want to. You will not get born again when you feel like it. The only time that you can be saved and rescued from your sins is when there is a drawing power and God is drawing you to Jesus. In other words, when God has placed deep down in your heart that you need to be rescued and that Jesus is the only one that can do it. And when the Spirit of God begins to draw you to a place that you need somebody to bail you out. That's the time you can get saved. Not when I want to. Not when I want to. See, it's very little to do with us. It's everything to do with God. I can't draw you. Joe Osteen can't draw you. We can preach what God or I can at least, what God has in His Word and hope that the Spirit of God draws you to a place to where you can receive Christ. My, that's why I'm here. I'm here to, to tell you what God has said in His Word. Not to make you like me or, or put me on a pedestal. None of that stuff. It is so that you can clearly see Jesus in what you need to do in order to get to heaven. And understand me, it's very little to do with you and a lot with Him. Therefore, if the Spirit of God's not moving in a place, there'll be very little salvations taking place. Because 2 Corinthians 7 and 10 tells me this, For godly sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation. Godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. 
let me break, let me define this really quick. Salvation comes not because you got caught. Now, oh boy, we're about to get deep. Salvation, it's not just because you got caught in your sin. It's not because uh, you want to turn over a new leaf. Well, it's the new year. I think I'll turn things over. (laughs) Salvation doesn't come like that. Not because you're going through some problems in your life and and boy, all of a sudden you want to throw on the spare tire of God and say, hey, I'm saved. Not because all your friends did it. Not because mama and daddy coached you into walking an aisle. Not because grandpa and grandpa coached you in walking. Not because none of that stuff. Godly sorrow worketh repentance. In other words, when my heart is broken because I have offended God with the way I live my life and I know that I've got to be punished and the punished is separation from God, but then all of a sudden He draws me to a place and says, look what my son did for you at Calvary. That's when you can be saved. And that's when the Spirit of God becomes alive in your life. Ezekiel 11 and 19. He says, I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within you. I will take the stony heart out of their flesh. And I will give them an heart of flesh. This is where we get hard-hearted from. You ever heard somebody say, he's just hard-hearted? Well, it goes all the way back to Ezekiel, where we get hard-hearted from. Romans 8 says this, But ye are not in the flesh, but the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Notice with me what he said there. Paul did not write to the Romans and say, As long as you said a prayer, you're all right. But what Paul said was this. If any man has not the Spirit of Christ dwelling in them, they are not His. John 16 and 13. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall, whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Albeit when the Spirit of truth is come. He's talking about that Spirit of truth that the new heart Ezekiel is talking about, taking the stony one out and putting the one of flesh in there. So let me add a few things right here. This is going to hurt, but you know I do it because I love you. Mm. You don't have to beg people to come to church when you've got the Spirit of God in you. 
You don't have to call and beg and plead. Please come to church. Please come to church. We need you at church. When the Spirit of God is dwelling inside of you, <laughs> it's Friday and you're thinking about Sunday. <laughs> it's Monday and you can't wait to get back inside God's house on Sunday. Hey, when, when the Spirit of God is alive and dwelling inside of you, there is no begging and pleading. Please come to church. It's more like this. Hey, preacher, I can't wait to get in God's house. You don't have to beg people to do what's right when the Spirit of God's in them. <laughs> now, 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 now. I know we all sin and we all mess up. But when the Spirit of God is controlling your life, when you mess up, you know real quick. And the preacher don't have to come over, and the deacons don't have to come over, and the church don't have to come over and rub your hands and say, Hey, guess what? Everything's going to be alright. Hey, when the Spirit of God is controlling your life, you know when you mess up, what you need to do is come to an altar of repentance and say, God, I messed up! So what happens at this new birth? Nicodemus and Jesus are talking about this salvation, this being saved. What happens in the new birth? It's not about getting a new religion. It's about getting a new life. And, 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 and it's not affirming that Jesus is supernatural and he's powerful but it's about experiencing the supernatural supernatural of Jesus in your life now the new birth is is not the improvement of human nature but it is the creation of a new one Jesus did not come here just to make you a better, well-behaved person. He didn't come here to give you a list of do's and don'ts. He didn't come here for that. He said, I come here to kill you. Because if I kill you, oh God, help me Jesus, I can bring forth something new out of you. I'm not talking about physical death. I'm talking about spiritual death. He come... Not to make you a well-trained human, but he come to raise something up new inside of you. And the only way he can raise something up new inside of you is if he draws you to a place to where you want to make things right with him. <laughs> and then you invite him on inside to live inside of you. And then that's when he can begin to do stuff inside of you. But until that time... Real quickly. Let me tell you what our text is telling us now. I got all that out of the way. We got all our definitions we need. Number one. Our text, Jesus is saying this. Listen to me. 
Just because you say He is Lord, just because I say He is Lord, does not make it so. Neither Jesus nor myself this morning are are talking about a works theology. Understand that. We're not talking about earning grace. We're not talking about there's earning salvation. There's nothing we can do to earn it. Some tried that. It does not work. Jesus is indicating this morning that on the day of judgment, the day many will come to him and say, Lord, I did this. I drove out demons. I, I performed miracles. In other words, these people are going to come to him and say, Jesus, look at all the stuff I've done. Look at all the stuff. Everything I've done, it ought to gain me entrance into the kingdom of heaven. It's not little stuff. It's preaching. It's teaching. It's engaging in spiritual warfare with demons. It's miracles. But uh, Jesus isn't talking just to the crowd here. What He's talking to and who He's talking to, He's talking to the people who define themselves as being followers of Jesus Christ. He's talking to you and I. In other words, uh, he says, in my name you've prophesied. In my name you've cast out demons. Uh, in my name you perform miracles. Uh, but this uh, stuff can't get you into heaven. This stuff can't. Because you have no real relationship with me. If he doesn't really know you and you don't really love him, it's worse than doing nothing because now it leaves you deceived into I'm doing a lot of good stuff. That probably is one of the most damning teachings of the church today. It's certainly one of the greatest tools that Satan uses to deceive people who have a loose association with Jesus today. Let the stuff you do be more important than the Christ of the stuff. Let Him just be a name you speak, not a Savior you passionately serve. Oh, man. One author said in his book, Follow Me, this is what he said. He said, I have a friend, let's call him John, whose first exposure to the concept of hell was during a Tom and Jerry episode. He said, during the episode, Tom was sent to hell for something bad he had done to Jerry. What was intended to be a humorous cartoon scared John to death. Later, he found himself at church talking with a man about what he had seen. The church man looked at John and said, Well, you don't want to go to hell, do you? He said, No, certainly not. He said, Okay. Then the man said, Pray this prayer after me, dear Jesus. John paused. After a moment of silence, he he, he finally understood that he should pray too. He said, Dear Jesus... I know I'm a sinner. I know that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. John followed. I ask you to come into my heart and save me from my sin. John echoed 
the voice he heard. Amen, the man concluded. Amen, John said. The man looked over at John and said, Son, you are now saved from your sins. You don't ever have to worry about hell again. The man got up, went back to his home, went back to his normal life. The rest of his life, he lived his life going, Everything's all right. I prayed a prayer after my friend at the church. This should concern us. To the point that you and I are crying out to God for all those people that are just like John. Somebody's prayed a little prayer with them and said, you're okay now. Just go back home. You prayed a prayer. You prayed a little prayer. Scott, you prayed a little prayer. Go back to live whatever stinking way you want to. You never got to come to church again. You don't got to do nothing. You just go on home. Do whatever you want. Live how you want. Talk how you want. Do what you want. You prayed a prayer. And then there's the other side of the coin where that prayer makes us do a lot of stuff. Because we see other people doing it. So we figure well, that's what we got to do. But it's just not true. Jesus says, and my heart breaks right here because he says, I never knew you. Depart from me. That word iniquity means evil worker. Depart from me, you that done a lot of good stuff. But I never knew who you was because your sin was covering and I couldn't get to where you was at. Number two this morning, I'm done, okay? Understand me this morning. We, you, me, we cannot save ourselves, okay? No matter how much you try, how much I try, you can't save yourself. And if your heart is not if your heart is not open to understanding how much you need God's grace this morning, you can say a thousand prayers, be baptized over and over and over again. You'll go down a dry center and come up a wet one. 
You can work your fingers to the bone and you'll still be lost. Look what Paul said to the Galatians. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. What Jesus is addressing here is just blunt and straight talk with a crowd of people that claim to follow him. When you or I or anyone that is in Christ think that what we do is more important than what He done, we've come to a bad point in life. In closing this morning, Preacher, what must I do to be saved? How? I can guarantee you this. If you're asking that question this morning, God's already dealing with your heart. Matter of fact, it's that big lump that's in your throat right now that you feel like you're going to Bust. That's called conviction. It's called conviction. It's called godly sorrow. And that means that right now, God, it's tugging at your heart because He wants to give you a new one. And there's some this morning that you've been saved. You've truly been. But somewhere down the line, you started looking at the stuff you were doing and not the relationship you have with Jesus. And you've let the stuff become more important than your relationship with Him. It's time that you put the stuff aside and get back in touch with God. And then there's some this morning, you've been deceived. Okay? You've been deceived. Because your heart never was transformed. Because when Jesus comes in, There is a difference. There is a difference. You don't... You may have the same struggles. God knows I wish that He erased our struggles when we got saved. God knows I do, but He don't. You may have the same struggles, but your outlook at them is a totally different thing. Yeah. Why? Because Jesus is working in here. Don't be deceived this morning. Don't be deceived.
There's too many people just deceived. Don't allow an emotional experience you had where you cried a little bit to find your salvation. Oh, you should know before you leave this building if God drew you at a time in your life where God drew you to a place to where you felt sorrow inside of your heart, not because somebody called you out or you got caught doing it, but because you had offended God. And you come to God and said, God, I'm sorry for what I've done to you, not the other way around. Will you please forgive me? And then when you got up, there was a new person. In other words, when you got up, you didn't go back out and do the same stinking things you did the first time. But you were transformed by God. If there's not that moment in your life, I would make sure before I left this place that I had that moment. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we humble ourselves in your presence. God, I've preached my heart out in what you've given me to preach. And I pray today that there's not a person in this building that wouldn't search their heart to find out if you're in it. To find out if I truly have been filled with the Spirit of God. Has He transformed me? Is He transforming me daily? Or did I just say a prayer one time? God, my heart this morning is not to be ugly or not to be mean. But God, I want the people today to know what it truly means to be born again. Not saying that they're going to be perfect. Not saying that I'm ever going to be perfect. I'm still going to sin. But I know that God's Spirit is transforming me. He's filling me. He's making me somebody new. May every heart feel that this morning. May every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. May they come to a place where they're drawn by the power of God. God, I need you right now. Fill this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. If you would, please stand. Stay got us a song of invitation. You're here this morning. You say, Preacher, I... God, I need to hear from Him. I want you to know that God's here to 
amazing love that welcomes me. God's dealing with you. The kindness of mercy. That bought with blood wholeheartedly. My soul undeserving. God's spirit will no longer strive with man. There's going to come a time when the spirit of God is no longer going to tug at your heart. And at that moment, your fate is eternally sealed. Nothing you can do after that moment can get you sick. Because God is no longer drawing you. Behold the cross. Hey, I'll be honest with you. I just want to
place filled with the Spirit of God inside of you. Revived. Ready to fight hell. Because let me say this, when you hit those back doors, hell's going to start fighting you whether you want it to or not. You've been under conviction this morning. You didn't make a move. Hell's going to get a lot harder as soon as you hit them that back door. The devil's going to know I all God almost had them, but they're still mine. Let me pull a little more. You just you, you a Christian this morning that you just got something that's going to help you this week. Boy, the devil's going to fight when he hit those back doors. Be prepared. I hope you have a good week in the Lord. Come back tonight at 6 o'clock. Tonight we're going to be having communion service. So uh, we, we hope you will come and take part of communion with us. Thank you so much for being here. I'm going to ask Brother Arthur if he would dismiss us in a word of prayer.